Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 220 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal. Pirates, the first things first, Angelo, the bag of form entries just keeps cascading into our inbox. So we're going to start things off with some listener emails. Are you ready for this? Sure. All right. The first one is from Rob Christofferson at your UFO guy on Twitter. He says, to my good friends, I can't thank you enough for stepping in and hosting the Our Strange Skies podcast for a week. You are two truly wonderful people. Thank you, Rob. So are you. So we were very happy to do that. So by the time this episode is out, the um, episode we were on will have been out for for two days on Rob's uh, public feed. And then it dropped last week on his Patreon feed. So he says, and as a reward, I would like to tell Angelo that I now own three Apple products. He has fully converted me. I'll never go back ever again. And I'm not proud of this, but I know a good product when I see it. Thanks again, guys. Rob. What did he get? Did he get a HomePod? Maybe he got a HomePod. <laughs> You're just smiling so broadly right now. <laughs> no, I think it's the, the computer phone iPad trio. Oh, I thought you, I thought you were calling the iPhone the computer phone. No, <laughs> no, no. So I, I do believe that that is trio of lineups. And hey, listen, like I will not knock that. I'm also a fan of all three items, right? So they're great and it was really great hosting uh, our strange skies it kind of gave me the itch to do a longer form episode on a single topic sometime soon i'm hoping i will be able to convert rob's entire audience to becoming a phil class type skeptic (laughs) what are the chances of that happening zero zero percent angelo you can you could take that that butt of yours out of here i hope nobody comments on his I guess on the uh, Our Strange Guys Twitter feed that uh, they did not like the skeptic guy that was on the, the Yeah, that guy sucks ass for sure, 100%. Yeah. yeah, hopefully. All right, Angela, I got another piece of mail here. Sure. This one's from uh, Angelina Diarmi at Alexandra uh, Mandronova at gmail.com. Good afternoon. My name is Alexandra. I am the manager of several information platforms. I really liked your site and I would like to cooperate with you. Check if your articles are accepted for publication. We want to buy several pieces of articles from you with a link to our website. What are your conditions? I was curious as to why you were reading this person's email address. And then once you started reading the letter, I realized why. Everybody, if you are interested in working with Alexandra, I think you should email her. Yeah, Alexandra, A-L-E uh, KC, not X. Okay, perfect. So that's the weird thing in the email. It's the KC, but then in the body of the email, it's an X. And then the name submitted on contact form is Angelina Diarmi. So three different names there, Angelo. I think think that might be some high-level spam there. That's impressive that they took the time to fill in a contact form. I agree. Because I think you have to get through a CAPTCHA for that. I think you do for some of them. I, I don't know. I think it depends on web behavior too, right? I haven't, you know, I've, I've been recognized as human most of the time, so it's not really a problem in my life, but I don't know about yours. I'm usually thought of as being human. Yeah. So, Angelo, uh, first question of the night for you. How, how is your breathing? My breathing? Are you a good breather? Yeah. I, I would not be able to play a wind instrument because I can't do the whole circular breathing. Right. You know how, like, Kenny G has infinite breath, right? Yes. That's, that's a rumor I heard. So does metered from Tool, apparently, if I'm to understand correctly. Like, that came out because uh, I think it's Ticks and Leashes on Lateralis. He, like, does a crazy scream or something. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, anyways, that is not the point of that. I want to talk about Twitch. I want to talk about an actual literal Ocarina controller, Angelo. So a Twitch streamer named GV underscore Mimi is trying to beat Breath of the Wild using an Ocarina with um, uh, preset macros set up to the um, different Ocarina holes. This seems like an impossible task to me, but I was watching some of the footage and she went from being terrible at it to incredible. 
yeah, it's it's kind of incredible to watch her progress um, and continue upwards and onwards. It's insane to see how someone who is struggling so much with it at the beginning is now really, really good at it. So this is a custom controller that uh, plugs into the Switch, and she's able to control things with, um, you know, her breath, essentially. Well, she's playing specific notes, it seems like. So whenever hit, uh, Link was attacking in that combo, it was the same note over and over again. It's yes. pretty impressive. So a question for you. Would you rather have this or the power glove? Oh, both sounded like a terrible idea, but I think because the power glove would put me less out of breath, I'll take the power glove. But the responsiveness is just even more awful, though. Probably, because that is a little three circles around the, the TV that you had to to point at. The power <laughs> glove was terrible, by the way. Like I played with it. My friend had got one when we were kids, and we thought it was going to be amazing, and it really wasn't. We thought we'd be like... You know, running with Mario and punching blocks using the power glove. And uh, no, not at all. The commercial lied. I want to pit two other peripherals against each other. Ready? So the power glove or the Genesis accelerator, you know, the pad. Wow, that was even worse. Yeah, it was worse. Apparently that did not work well at all. I remember seeing ads for it in EGM and wondering how that worked. And even then I figured this is probably going to be terrible. I remember um, watching someone playing, I think it's Eternal Warriors. Like, apparently, like, if there was, like, a, a, a setup for it, if I'm not. It was that, uh, that Sega made sort of Mortal Kombat thing where you could, they had fatalities, you had deaths using the environment. I remember one where there was, like, a spinning fan in the background, and somebody would end up in that fan. I think it's with Eternal Champions. It was not Eternal Warriors. It was Eternal Champions. That's it, Eternal Champions. See, this is how far I care. Oh, your cat's in the back. Is she? Oh. So what you're saying here, Angelo, is that you would prefer a power glove over everything else, even though it is relatively terrible. It's, it's, yeah, they're all terrible. I think the power glove might be the least terrible, but I'm probably wrong. I feel if I decided to go the Ocarina route, I would also um, start swimming, right, to increase my lung capacity. So sort of like doing a tandem kind of activity um, in order to intensify the the lungs in my body. It reminded me of all those people that were finishing Elden Ring and stuff. I know I'm supposed to, not supposed to mention, but it's relevant. They were finishing Elden Ring with Guitar Hero equipment and dance pads and things like that. Elden Ring is hard enough with a controller, especially towards the last quarter of the game. It becomes extremely difficult. So I can't imagine finishing. So what were, how were they mapping movement then? Do you know? I'm not 100% sure how they were doing it, but I've seen videos of people using Guitar Hero equipment finish to finish Elden Ring. And it seems impossible. And yet you sit here like a pleb. Yeah, using a regular old controller. Angela, I will open the door and allow you to talk about Elden Ring one last time, but in the context of a larger video that we're here to discuss. That's something that you had shared with me that I'd watched and uh, greatly enjoyed. So I will allow you one more mention, my friend. Let's go. Well, it actually works out fine because I bet if anybody could finish Elden Ring with a guitar peripheral, it would be the guys from Periphery. (laughs) So Periphery seems to make a documentary about every album they make, or at least the last few ones. And in this one, they did a documentary about them creating their their newest album called uh, Periphery 5, Gent is Not a Genre, which is them, I guess, sort of making fun of people that call them Gent, because they're really not, right? Okay. Okay. It doesn't really matter, So apart from Periphery, is there any Gent you listen to at all? Animals as Leaders? Would that be considered that? Have you listened to the Godfathers of Gent? Have you listened to Meshuggah at all? Only in times when you've asked me to listen to them. 
Okay, so you you not really have like checked into them all that much. No, no, no. But I, I do like Periphery, uh, even the screaming and stuff. It's in, it's incredible how their singer can go from sounding like a monster to having a pretty good voice. Yeah, he does. Spencer? Yeah. I think, right? So I was really hard on them for the first album. Like, I was really into it. And then after the second one, I kind of just dropped off for whatever reason. Um, uh, last time I saw them was like 10 years ago. They seem like a good group of dudes. And what the reason you're allowing me to mention Elden Ring is that they were playing it in the video. Yeah, when they were uh, when they were uh, tracking their demos. From what I understand, though, they recorded the majority of their album just themselves in their apartments. The drums were recorded outside of uh, their. Obviously, they were recorded in a studio. The drums, because it's a little harder to do that in a home. But everything else was just recorded on site with them. That wasn't the demos they were tracking. They actually did the album. Well, they were saying that they were hoping to use the tracks for the album itself. Is yeah, what they were saying I think the they process. ended up doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's super convenient these days to do that too, right? So it's kind of uh, best case scenario. Uh, you kind of get to do whatever you want, take as many times as you want, because, hey, studio time can get real expensive once you get an engineer in there. Yeah, it was just fun to watch them and not have all that different in terms of a recording process from when I've recorded with bands and on my own at home, uh, mind you, with a lot more talent than me. But regardless of that, really fun to see what you think of as rock stars just being chill dudes in their place. Yeah, I agree. They were super laid back. Um, it was kind of interesting to see the writing process of them just getting together and jamming mo- like somewhat unplugged, but on, on electric guitars, which was kind of interesting. The, the I, I guess the least laid back uh, chill dude is the singer, I guess, because he seems most like a rock star because he has like the expensive car and he lives in the, uh, Las Vegas. The well, funniest Las Vegas part is that- a relatively inexpensive place to live, actually, FYI. Okay, I guess. I mean, there's lots of murders. According but he has to he has changed his hair color multiple times in the video. Yeah. The best part, though, was when he gets a phone call after singing some very deep-throated takes that the neighbors had called 911. I've had that happen to me when I was younger. Because of singing? Yeah, uh, yeah, just music playing in general. Because <laughs> we had a drum set in, in the basement that my friend and I, and I used to play guitar and we used to play together. It was awful. Well, we have that in common. When I was practicing at my friend's house, he's the drummer, and the police was called. Mostly because of you, though, right? Uh, Mostly because of our guitarist. I was not the guitarist in the band. Okay. So uh, going from something that is entirely constructed in a studio setting, a very sterile, let's let's be honest, like a little bit of a sterile setting here, um, to something that I realized I had confused you, Angelo, because when I included the first two links to this series of documentaries, I included the one that had more um, randomness in the first slot, because the second video is the one that I wanted you to watch first. Yes, and that, I, so I watched the first one first that you put there. Yes. I had no idea what the context was. I did not know who this guy was. He was making woodworking in his garage, shoveling the driveway, yeah. and talking about people saying he was in a band, and him saying he was in a band, that he actually was with the band. I didn't know this band. Then I watched the other documentary about the, the actual... band is called Caven. Yes, yes and the, the band the, is called Caven, yeah. the, uh, and the album is something about and, a heart. Until your heart stops. <laughs> yes. That's more my speed. That was, that was a really genuinely interesting, very short 15-minute documentary about the 30-year anniversary of this album and where they recorded it. 25. And how they I recorded think. it. It said, it said 30, it's, but it, anyway. It oh, no, that's the address. So, sorry. 30 yes. is the address of the place yes. they were. They so recorded it's recorded in the suburb of Boston. Street. 
at yeah. the uh, the second iteration of so uh, Kurt Ballou, who is a guitarist in a band called Converge. Angelo, do not listen to them because I know that you're going to hate it. Um, I wanted to make you watch this in juxtaposition to the process by which Periphery recorded versus they were recording uh, like ramshackle metalcore in someone's basement in a Boston suburb in a house owned by a bunch of guys, including um, a band that you probably like called Piebald, who are very fun and lighthearted to listen to. And I'm not even being facetious about that. Yeah, it's quite a contrast because... <laughs> so did you, well, listen, also, it, did you listen to the two tracks I suggested? No, are they suggested in the show notes? No, I, I texted you this morning. I said, listen to Juggernaut off of Until Your Heart Stops. Then uh, go listen to the album four years later. So um, off of Antenna, go listen to Seafrost. Uh, two entirely different bands when you listen to it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry about that. I didn't, I didn't catch that message. So we could drop those. Uh, uh, they're on YouTube, so we could drop that into the, the, sure. show, uh, into the show links to check that out. Entirely different bands, same members. But if you listen to it, it's, it's worlds apart. Uh, okay. One of them is is very uh, defined metalcore, and the other one is um, atmospheric rock with nothing but beautiful clean vocals. Oh, I, that I would probably like, right, Brian? You would like it, actually, a lot, which is why I was suggesting this. And that's also my way of shoehorning this conversation here, because I would like you to go listen to it. I will go listen to it. So metalcore is the correct term for this, because my daughter calls it Brian Screaming Music. There's a ton of, of subsets of that, right? There's hardcore, there's metal, there's like all, all kinds of stuff, right? Gents, so I'd say, but that's not a genre. <laughs> gent is not a genre is a genre and, and are we pronouncing it correctly i believe we are we're saying gent the, the right way yeah well it's just okay, the sound that the guitar makes right yeah because some people call it the gent which i think is no incorrect. that's that's like that's from like 10 years ago when it first started okay or rather when it was first coined um because obviously mishuga has been around for a long time yeah how old? yeah they, they're they're an older band for Meshuga, sure yeah, I, they, I, they started in the late 80s early 90s yeah because i remember hearing about them in high school then yeah, that totally and, makes sense uh, the other heavy band people talk about was Sepultura. Oh yeah, yeah, they were there. They're South American, I believe, right? That yeah, they're they're from Brazil. They're national heroes down there. So that is, uh, you were probably your high school was probably making you listen to Roots with the the anthemic Roots, Bloody Roots. Wasn't well, was no my high school about. making? No, I don't know what you're talking. No, about. I, just, I would love to think that your teachers were like Angela. This is the curriculum now. Okay. No. So Angela, as you know, I love talking about weird dudes on the internet that I discover. And I've now fascinated with another new dude. So I have unlocked a new character type, which is old man complains about everything. Um, so I showed you a video by a man named Michael Noland with a D at the end entitled, has you two given a giant wedgie to their fans with their songs surrender album? Angelo, this is literally uh, old white man takes about rock music. So only in the year of our Lord, 2023 does Michael Noland feel like perhaps you two has peaked a little. What's funny is there's so many people in his comments that love this guy and love his takes on things, and he's so far off. I mean, look, I haven't listened to you two album. It could be terrible. It's just the it's way. It's fine. I gave it a shot. I put it on. But it's, it's it's what he's complaining about that is, and the way he's complaining about it is wrong. How they're not recording together. Like a lot of bands don't record together. Just watch the Periphery documentary. They don't record together at all. They're all over the place doing different takes and the album comes together fine. My other thing too is like, so for example, right, he's just complaining this is an Edge solo project and if you want to watch the video first and then come back, I will, we will allow you to do that, right? Angela? Yeah, yeah skip through it. it. Yeah, it's like uh, 15 minutes or 10 minutes even, 11 minutes. Um, he's just an annoying old man and I hate to sound ageist, but here we are. So let's like, so it's kind of interesting though because he gets really angry about the idea of this being an Edge solo project that people came in on afterwards, right? He he just comes off seeming again old man yells at clouds old man 
doesn't like the way music is these days. These kids and their rascally recording in their in their basement. They have to go do it like in the olden days and spend $20,000 an hour recording in a studio. So here's the funny part to me, Angelo, right? So he, in a prior video, talked about how much he loved the band Boston, right? Boston is pretty much a Tom Scholz solo project that he recorded in his basement in the 70s. But in the 70s, they used like vintage equipment to record it was harder to record back in those days. Right. What I'm saying is that he... No, he, but I'm just saying, it's, yeah. it's not even, it doesn't matter, right? Like, he just thinks because he's nostalgic for that time period and the way people do it now, he's not happy with it. I also watched a video where he talked about how angry he is at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as an institution. My dude, giving power to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame institution is exactly what they want. And by talking about how much you hate them, you're giving them more power. The Hall of Fame is an inconsequential sort of organization that exists primarily to do whatever it wants. It's not here to uh, make it Michael Nolan happy. He, if you read between the lines, is unhappy that there are several artists of color being nominated. Um, and also, one of my favorite things is that he talked about Joy Division slash New Order getting a nomination or being on the ballot. And he uh, says that he's never listened to them, but he hears that they are boring. My friend... You are on YouTube. Can you not just type in the words Joy Division song or New Order song and spend like a minute and a half listening to something there? He also has the requisite What's Wrong With Music These Days video. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was the top one in the little corner there. So I just, I love this guy because I love to hate watch him. It's so bad. It's so bad. And, and, you know, here's our our requisite uh, Rick Beato mentioned, but he's the opposite of him. They seem to be about the same age. But Rick is just so positive about everything. He loves all music. He gives everything a chance. He will say it how it is when he doesn't like something. But he comes with, uh, how do you call it? Knowledge. Well, yeah, he drops facts all over the videos, right? Versus, this is just a lot of commentary. And clearly, like, he, he knows a bit about, like, Michael Nolan knows a bit about music. But, like, it's just, uh, yeah, no comment. I just, Meanwhile, uh, Rick is interviewing Butch Vig. Versus, yeah, he's just, uh, Michael's talking to a bunch of, of randos from YouTube. Which is what we should be doing, honestly. We should pick a fight with this guy. Do you want him on the show? I bet you he's an audiophile. Do you think he's an audiophile? He buys oh, gold-plated, gold-plated his, like, uh, Yeah, if you look at his background, cables. he's got all these, like, blips and blops and bluebulls and just all of his like, recording equipment here. And he's got a, um, multiple Beatles. One of them is a clock. One of them is just a, a stencil and then a Led Zeppelin stencil that he's lit up. He, um, well, he talked about in the video how the Beatles are his favorite album and uh, his favorite band and Led Zeppelin is uh, his second favorite band. Personally, that's that's about right for me too. Like when uh, coming up with music, the Beatles are my favorite band. Then it was Led Zeppelin. You know, U2 was up there as well back then. How did you feel about pop when it came out? It was fine. It was fine. I thought the, I thought their, their stage show was really impressive. Although from what I heard, you could hardly hear anything when you went to actually watch it. So that's the, the big problem there. Are you okay with that? Having not spent the money on those tickets? Yeah, well, I never went, so it didn't matter. Oh, Angela, I have something really sad to show you, or to share with you, actually, so give me a second here. Uh, That is actually related to YouTube, and I only remembered that existed now. Double density. So, Angelo uh, Bottom recently put out a book, too, right, all about his lyrics. And so I um, saw it at uh, my local used bookstore down the street, and I said, hey, let me go take a look at it. And uh, I opened it up, and there's an inscription, like an entire – it's kind of hard to see, but there's an entire inscription here. So somebody's son decided to sell their personalized copy that their mom had given to them. 
<laughs> That's so sad. To Luca, I will always cherish being at the U concert, U two concert with you and your dad at the Montreal Bell Center. This band crosses so many generations. Hope you enjoy reading and get a glimpse on how it all happened and what really matters in the end. Love you always, Nadia. And then he sold it to the used bookstore. Yes. Uh, for drug money. <laughs> that is correct, yeah. Because he uh, listens to the heavy metal music, that's why. Uh, yeah, exactly. He's uh, he's drawing pentagrams all over the place instead. I, sh- I found it really funny and sad. Like, anytime you look at a used book and you see that kind of inscription, you're like, oh, man. All right, well. And it's because it's referring to a very specific event with his with his parents. It's kind of sad. Yeah, it's kind of brutal. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> Anyways, well, I feel like Brian. let's let's continue the theme of sadness. Let's head on over to the paranormal side of things and talk about some sad stuff and some not so sad stuff there. Sounds good or bad. Welcome back to Double Density, and as always, with Searching Gears, from tech to the paranormal. So, Angela, I feel like we should turn um, the paranormal into, like, the spooky or the scary side of things. I feel like we should just, because we we tend to talk about things that aren't necessarily paranormal in nature, just scary or spooky sometimes, right? Well, so, do we classify UFOs as paranormal? I would, but what I'm saying is that, like, we talk about uh, uh, scary movies and things like that, right, that don't have a, oh, a basis in the paranormal. So I feel like maybe we should uh, asterisk the paranormal section with, like, the scary section. Well, maybe. Do we, so we, do we change the whole premise of our, our show? I mean, we could do half tech, half scary. Okay, are we so, so at episode 220, we're changing everything. I mean, listen, like, we can talk about this at the, the monthly Double Density board meeting, right? So I'll be okay, over great. to your place. We can talk about it there. Okay, Just perfect. a proposal on the horizon, because the first thing I want to mention is I saw Scream 6 uh, yesterday. Oh, how and, was that? Uh, it was good, actually. Surprisingly good. The ending, a little improbable, but, like, whatever. My bigger um, thrill at that, though, was I basically reenacted the Leo pointing at himself at the TV meme the entire time, because most of the movie was shot um, in Montreal and it, actually in my neighborhood. So last summer when I was going to take a walk, I would stumble upon sets all of the time. So there was a ton of spaces that I actually recognized in the movie as being like a five minute walk from here. Did you see Wednesday Adams? I, well, not live. I mean, I saw her trailer the, at one point. Okay. Okay, cool. Yes. So that was, uh, that was super interesting. So, you know, Montreal doubling for New York. It's fine. Uh, I enjoyed the, the movie. But two weeks ago, we talked about Faces of Death, and listener Tom G. Wolf shared an article that he wrote in 2019 all about the 40th anniversary of Faces of Death. A great thorough article, too. So, Angela, how do you feel about Faces of Death? I feel like we've talked about it a couple of times. I'm just kind of curious. Like, There's like a Hollywood remake with the guy from Stranger Things, which I'm very confused by because this is just a you know shock documentary. Obviously, some of it was staged, but some of it was real. Like, is it Would it be like the the making of faces of death, like being told, Hey, go, go make a compilation of stupid, gory stuff. Well, that's it. It doesn't really make much sense to me that they're remaking a movie that was essentially passed off as the real thing. Audience these days are a little more in the know because of the internet and how things gets out there in the late seventies. This was easy to put out and pass off as something that was real. And some of it, like we said, it was real. I don't know what to think about a remake of this it makes no sense. 
No, I mean, it's also turning the, and like, kind of like we talked about this a while back, but like the, the idea here of Faces of Death is like, there's some stock imagery and some videos, uh, bought from like news organizations, uh, that were inserted. And then obviously some like faker stuff in there too. Right. So Tom's article also mentioned some of the stuff that we talked about where I didn't realize it was the guy who was responsible for the Girls Gone Wild videos that came up with those uh, death videos we talked about that we'd see the ads for on uh, on afternoon TV. Yeah, well, that's kind of the the the, the media empire landscape of of the late nineties was all of those things, right? Yeah, I really I'm curious to see. I don't even think this thing will get done. To be quite honest with you, is it even in production or is it going it's to been be announced? Yeah, it's not going to happen. Interesting. I'd love to know. My prediction for uh, whatever, 2025, when this thing would have come out, is it's not going to happen. Either that, or they just bought the rights to the name, and they're going to do something else with it. That's what I'm That thinking. makes more sense. Maybe it'll do something like they're doing with Tetris, right? It wasn't... People, when they announced the Tetris movie, thought we're going to be attacked by pieces from outer space. And no, it's the making of how Tetris was brought to America. Yeah, because they can't make Pixels, because Pixels already got made, Angelo. Yeah. We, all dis- we discussed how good Adam Sandler is. <laughs> so are we i guess we'll watch tetris for the next episode is that the plan it is out on friday the 31st yes so if you are interested we're probably gonna do a mini review definitely i think that's a good idea so i'm kind of curious though angelo if you if i said hey uh put together a faces of death compilation would you just go to like rotten.com would you go to Augrish? would you just Rip all that stuff there. Would you go to Torrance? Oh, he's making a face right now. Yeah, he's I was going to say, people can't face. tell that I'm making a face. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> I remember when we'd go to the video store and see this creepy box art. That was a thing, right? We talked about this last time when we talked about Faces of Death. Yeah. Is the whole act of going to the video store and renting these things and seeing these bizarre images on these boxes. And I kind of feel bad that my kids don't get to experience that because they don't see the horror movies when we're going through Netflix because we're looking at the family section. But when I was a kid and go to the video store and I'd wander off and look at different parts of the video store that were not behind like uh, barn doors, like certain sections of the video store we weren't allowed in, the horror movies were out there and wide open and you'd saw some of the scary things on the front of the boxes. All right, two things, Angela. Firstly, those bullet doors are a suggestion, not a rule. So if you had a lot of gumption, you could have just gone in there before being taken out. Okay, well, I... Firstly, I that's what number one. Boy. But we've discussed how, how I'm a good little boy. Right? Yes, exactly, so, yeah. And then uh, uh, number two, I definitely agree that like the allure of the, the box card is, is really interesting. Um, Tom's article also does a really good job of talking about sort of the how we got to Faces of Death, right? So the, the Mondo movies of the 60s, like the fake documentaries, the Italian ones, which I own on DVD from like Blue Underground. Uh, I, I've spent a lot of time do. thinking about these things. Of course you own these things. <laughs> but uh, yeah, your friends, the Italians, like Mondo Cane, um, throwing stuff out there and just uh, pretending it's all real. I mean, some of it is, but some of it is definitely stage. Well, didn't they make that movie about uh, people being eaten by other people? Cannibal Holocaust? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's real. Delicious. So, so <laughs> your daughter just had a birthday. Are you showing her Cannibal Holocaust as a treat? It was like a little birthday treat. We watched it as a family. Everybody's over. We watched that movie together in, in Italian. As, as you're wont to do, right? And I'm sure that your wife... Love that. There were no discussions to be had at all um, around the supper table afterwards. Just mute at all. silence. Dead. It's perfect. We're actually watching WandaVision right now. Are you? Well, my son is into the Marvel movies now, and we're going through all of them, and we're at WandaVision now. And my daughter's rewatching it because we watched that together, and 
I forgot a lot about WandaVision, but it's a great show. It is. Uh, I mean, like we could talk about, I, I think we kind of skirted the issue last time about how superhero movies aren't doing so great, right? Like Ant-Man's not doing so well. Shazam's not yeah. doing so well. There's a lot of fatigue setting in, right? It's been over 15 years, right? Of the Marvel. Yeah. MCU. Well, Iron Man was 2008. So yeah, so 15. Now, yeah, yeah. 15 years. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Also the cadence by which they were putting stuff out is just exhausting, right? Cause it's the three f- a year. I know exactly. Right. Um, guardians is up next. I, May see it like six weeks out. I don't really care, Angelo. I'll be honest with you. I really, I, you know, I do. I'm looking forward to Guardians. And I'm really looking forward to the Marvels because I really enjoyed Miss Marvel. Yeah, and I dislike female protagonists, so I'm definitely not going to watch that either. Yeah, you really don't like the female superhero, right? <laughs> not, not in the your least, least favorite scene in all of filmmaking was when all the women got together to help Peter Parker get across. Oh no, my that. least favorite is when She Hulk and Megan the Stallion were twerking. Oh yeah, you don't like so that. many you, you, so many men on the internet were mad about that, and I loved it. I loved watching yeah, that. Yeah, I hope everybody realizes Brian's joking, right? But yeah, of course I'm joking. Like, if you've listened to this podcast before and you got <laughs> an inkling that I'm serious, like, just no, just not at all. Stop listening. No, exactly. Or send us a form. Explain to us. <laughs> yeah, why. break it down for us in ways that we can understand. And offer uh, to uh, write an article for us about rebutting my my feelings and my yeah. you know attitudes towards society. Let us move on from all earthly things all the way up to the sky, Angelo. This is a thing we've talked about a whole bunch. I want to talk about Oumuamua again because it's in the news. It's in the news again, Angelo. A new peer-reviewed journal came out with an explanation as to what it was because the the thing that was weird, this so-called comet, which is actually a comet, it was that it was speeding up. And the hypothesis was that it was speeding up because the gases inside the comet were being heated up and it was getting faster and faster and it had an odd shape. So some people theorize that it might actually be an alien spaceship. This new paper is saying that it wasn't, it was in fact the comet that that was speeding up due to um, it being gassy. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. Uh, So researchers, uh, Jennifer Bergner and Daryl Seligman published their findings in a recent issue of uh, Nature, which is a scientific journal, so they were uh, breaking things down there and just explaining, yeah, that it's a, it is a comet uh, that is accelerating because of um, the, the gas it's creating as it melts. The problem here is that this was uh, rebutted by Harvard astronomer Avi Loeb, no relation to Lisa <laughs> or Jeff G. He said that uh, they're likely wrong, or no. So what he was saying is that they're saying wrong. It's not necessarily certain, right? Like he's saying the calculations are a little bit off, and so hold on a sec. Here's what I'm thinking, right? So um, Avi Loeb he put out a book, Extraterrestrial, which is like over there. I've read half of it. I really, really liked it. Very grounded, dude. Um, Yeah. Well, he's not. He's not a dum dum. He's a Harvard astronomer. So he's. What he's saying comes with some sense of authority. So he's not just some Yahoo on the internet saying that U2's latest album was a, an Edge solo project. I believe that you're bringing that back up, but that's okay. Yeah, so Avi Loeb is mentioning the idea here that like some of the calculations might be off about the factor by which things are, are warming up, right? So I, I thought that was really interesting, um, the way that he was discussing how um, – there were uh, certain like surface temperature related equations that weren't set up properly, I guess would be the best way of saying it. I, I think this object is probably one of the scariest things out there right now that because it's tangible, because we know it exists, because we've seen it, we've measured it. And there's some confusion 
amongst astronomers as to what it might be, that makes it kind of scary. Because what if it is some sort of ancient alien technology? Then everything we know is wrong. We made this joke uh, last week or the week before, but why can't we just send a bunch of drillers up there and teach them to be astronauts? I think Ben Affleck would have something to say about that. Why don't we get really hot laser, like just going real strong at that? We could send some drones. Yeah, why not at this point, right? Like, let's just, let's just, or we get all of the, the balloons out there, the, like the so-called UFOs and just pack them with explosives and just, you know, like, you know, bunch them together. How far is this object right now? It is about, oh, 5 billion kilometers away. It's pretty, so it's, it's pretty far, Brian. Yeah. So it's five. I don't think we could send anything to it right now. Not right now. No, that is correct. If it starts changing directions, that'll be problematic for everyone. So the light travel time, according to the Skylar.com, is about five hours. So from here to there is uh, five hours. So if we suddenly see that it has moved, then we are screwed because we are five hours behind. Both exciting and terrifying all at the same time. I recently read the classic science fiction book, The Day of the Triffids. I don't know if you know that one at all. No, I, I know The Trouble with Tribbles from Star Trek. Okay, no, John Wyndham. So it's a it's a it's a British science fiction book from 1951. So basically, like um, the Triffids are these like plant like creatures with um, stingers at the top, and they recently um, have become a known quantity on the Earth. And then a, an activity happens where there is a bright flash in the sky that is perhaps a comet, perhaps not, that blinds the majority of people. But some people, for example, um, the protagonist who was having surgery on his face and his eyes um, was bandaged up. So he was able to see, uh, so, you know, I, I was kind of thinking about Umawa, you know, comments, blinding people, et cetera. So that's also like a, a really fun way of, of, you know, just getting my brain to scare myself. Yeah. Some good nightmare fuel for everyone. Oh, every night, dude, I'm not even kidding you. I don't know about you, but I have a high frequency of nightmares. I do too. And I am vocal about it in my sleep. And my wife does not like that. What are your sense around? Cause mine are just topical. Whatever I thought about that day, it just, that's what I'm dreaming about. The problem is I don't really remember them. Okay. You're not cursed like me then is what you're saying. Yeah, I don't really remember them. I sometimes vaguely remember them, but uh, not really. Like, you know, I've had a few that I do remember where, you know, I, I'll step out and look at the wind, look out the window and see something in the sky. So, yeah, it's probably often related to UFOs. Yeah. Maybe because of my uh, former alien abductions I've had, <laughs> a.k.a. sleep paralysis. I was going to say your sleep paralysis demons. Yeah. So you're one of those people, and we've talked about this before, who has them in, in great times of like stress, right? Yeah, and lately I haven't been that stressed, so it's yeah. been pretty good. Do, is there a correlation between weed being legal in Quebec and you feeling stress-free? Is that something that uh, you'd hypothesize? Not really, because it no. doesn't affect me. No. But. Maybe for your birthday we'll do some edibles. We'll take you, I'll take you out for the weekend. No thanks. Oh, he's grimacing. He does not like that yeah. at all. No, thanks. <laughs> That's okay, Angelo. Uh, I'm kind of curious, though, what people feel about Umawa, so they can go ahead and uh, send us a tweet, because I'm still on Twitter. Angelo is not, but that's okay. Double underscore density. You can also email us at double density podcast at gmail.com. You know where to reach me, though. There's a form for you to fill out. <laughs> Just imagine that that is your entire life. If you explain to your wife that this is all you're doing now, is that like she cannot text you, she has to fill out the contact form? Well, now also at work, my email address doesn't uh, let you reply. It just sends you to doubledensity.net. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Is maybe I should do like a, an auto forward. Saying I can get fired for that. I, don't do that. <laughs> I would love to be a part of that conversation. 
as like an observer, <laughs> as like an impartial observer, like when your boss calls you in or has that Zoom meeting, like call me in. I'm here. I'm ready. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be okay for me to do that. All right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it wasn't part of the regulations here at this large institution. I'm sorry. Well, uh, as you listen to this, though, if you haven't already, go download Our Strange Skies. I'm, I'm assuming... A lot of people that listen to Double Density also. There's like a, yeah, the Venn diagram is pretty the, circular, almost. Yeah. Um, so April, Angelo, is going to be our sixth anniversary of re- recording podcasts. How crazy That's is crazy. that? crazy. Yeah. So we'll be celebrating. You still haven't, we haven't talked about House of Leaves yet. You still haven't uh, ordered it, but that's okay. I gotta, I gotta. I listened to the album, though. That's true. So that's good. That's true. And then we'll be doing Coast to Coast. I'm still trying to figure out what episode I want to do first. It's just, I have option paralysis because there's so many I want to do. Yeah, I'm I get gonna, it. I'm going to end up picking one on my hard drive and just sending it your way. I feel that way. Okay, here, let me <laughs> ask you a question. Like, let's do it this okay. way. What topic would you like to talk about first? Shadow people. All right, I'll go see if I can find some shadow people open lines. Because... It felt like more often than not, whenever I would manage to tune into Coast to Coast AM, they'd be talking about shadow people. Yeah, we could totally do that. Were you expecting me to say shadow people? I was not, no. Are you proud of me for uh, yes. surprising you? Yes. I'm glad. So I'm going to find some shadow people uh, online. That's definitely something I'll do then in that case. I'm sure there's that. some shadow people online yeah. you can find. They're, yeah, they're all around <laughs> us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see one behind you. Oh, let's not talk about that one. But yes, I could definitely dig that up and we'll definitely uh, do that together and talk about some shadow people in that case. It'd be pretty cool if like something on your, on your table behind you just like started moving. I know. Yeah, it'd be kind of Sadly, no, we live in the realm of the, the realistic here in my household. I don't know about yours. I don't know how many times you've played with a Ouija board recently. We were joking about that yesterday because my, my sister kind of like believes in that stuff and we were joking about how we could play because they were talking about a a haunted house they visited in uh, San Diego when they were there a few years ago. Okay. My my sister was not uh, super stoked about visiting that place. Well, you can uh, I definitely believe in auras. We've talked about that, right? I definitely believe in like you visit somewhere and you get the the vibes are off as the kids say. Yeah, a place could be creepy, that's for sure. So I definitely do believe in that. And I agree with that. Look, I don't feel like being in a cemetery in the middle of the <laughs> night in complete darkness. So what you're saying is no, we thanks. should do edibles and go to a cemetery. No, that's not for me. Well, that's that's I'll be fine with that. I think this is a good space to end episode 220 of the Double Density Podcast, Angela. I'm not going to ask you to read off our socials because we just did. So things to look forward to in the, in the coming month. We'll be doing some Coast to Coast. We'll be doing some kind of um, six-year anniversary thing. I haven't figured out what we're going to do that. Yeah. And then hopefully either then or in May, House of Leaves. Sure. And a big thanks to the listeners that keep uh, writing in. Yeah, and, and interacting uh, with us. We love it. If you're going to do that, go uh, give us a, a little uh, review on the uh, Apple Podcast Store. Good plug there, my friend. You're getting better at this. Sometimes I don't have a degree in communications like you. Neither do I. No, that's not true. I do. <laughs> All right, Angelo, as I mentioned before, this has been it for episode 220 of the Double Density Podcast. Tune in next week as I strap Angelo to a rock and force him to go visit Umamwa, which is five light years away, but in our hearts, it is a single step forward. Angelo, I shall see you in uh, the darkness and blackness of space. Great. See you there.